When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana and you're listening to the Mall Over Codpost. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast, Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods and lots of other places. This week, I am joined by uh, the usual crew, the Lensman's here, welcome Lensman. Hello. Housewife's favourite, welcome. Hello. And the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting with a display background of a field full of cows, Ben Eustace. Welcome, Ben. Evening. And we should say for the audience as well, Russ is actually on suicide watch this week. I was going to say, I'm I'm kind of dreading to see where this podcast goes. If if that introduction doesn't show you how much Russ is looking forward to this, I don't know what will. <laughs> There's a very dark place in one corner of this stream. You may you may have detected a, a marked lack of enthusiasm in that introduction. I've seen more enthusiasm in an England attack. Well, <laughs> fantastic. Well played. Um, well, all of my enthusiasm for rugby in general has been sucked the, it's literally been sucked out of me and not even in a good way. <laughs> it's like everywhere I go, I've got a, a national team that makes me want to throw stuff at my telly. I've got supporters of Celtic nations who are just the most egregious bunch of cunts in the entire of the universe. And I've just, I'm just sick to my back teeth of, Shit referees, shit fans, shit rugby, and this whole... Oh, I'm, I'm fucking done with it. So, <laughs> let's... So, uh, welcome, new listeners. Welcome, yeah. <laughs> new listener. I mean, we won't, we won't have picked up any new listeners uh, unless anybody... Because anybody that saw my tweets with Blood and Mud on Saturday will probably think, well, I won't bother listening to them because... Stop moving, Russ. It sounds bad. Really? Am I signing bad again now? Fuck's sake. And now Blood and Mud, well, I keep mentioning them. They're a pair of pricks as well. They're like a pound shop good in Hamilton without the international experience. And yeah, or charisma. Or charisma. Yeah, I mean, that's saying something when you when you lack charisma versus good in Hamilton. I mean, that is it's a bad place to be. And you know when... 
Oh, and he's gone again. <laughs> this ain't gonna help, is it? No, no. Russ's mood is uh, getting progressively worse as his technology progressively fails. I mean, it's it's blacker than an All Blacks kit, isn't it, at the moment? While he's uh, sorting out his microphone, should should we talk about some rugby? Get him off the topic of shit Twitter accounts. Yeah, let's do that. Um, may as well start with the England game, haven't we? It's the one that we all want to moan a little bit about. I think so, mate. Um... Can we can we like skip the preamble of the twenty minutes about how? Eddie Jones never changes his mind and England play with a complete lack of flair and it's all very uh, pattern-driven and actually get down to some of the nitty-gritty like how shit Elliot Daly is as a fullback. Yeah, I can see <laughs> Doug's kind of um, coiling himself into action at any moment. So, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, Day- Daly's just not good at fullback, is he? Well... Um, He's just not good as a professional rugby player. And do you know so, why? Because he hasn't played any professional rugby for about six months. Yeah, yeah there is that. Help, does it? Yeah. There is that. But This I mean, England team can suck a dick. <laughs> and he's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's the, not that I don't like rugby. I just don't like watching, talking about it or <laughs> engaging with it. <laughs> Having anything to do with it. Um, yeah, the thing for me was uh, in the second half when Monte Ioani came down the, got a break down the left wing and Daly did a tackle that Danny Cipriani would have been proud of and basically just stroked his knee on the way through. One-on-one well, he, tackle. He got done twice, didn't he? There were yeah. two where they kind of spread it wide. And it, it's not like... It's not like he lacks pace, so he just must have been out of position. I, I just well, think... but the Yuani one, it was it was meet and two veg. Use your sideline to help you out. It wasn't like there was a there was a step or a turn of pace or anything like that. It was a straightforward one on one from the side tackle that he just limped his way through and let Yuani run forty meters, which was great for my fancy rugby draft score. <laughs> but other than that. Was just can, a pile of shit. He, 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 can we, go on. Just going to say, can we, before the sort of reverse Chuckle Brothers get going, um, just <laughs> fuck you, fuck me, fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just a few. There were some positives, I reckon. Uh, I thought the front five played pretty well, um, especially Sinclair. I think he was man of the match, wasn't he? And yeah. England look a better gay, a better team with. Um, Ford at 10 than Farrell I think for sure and um, at least Watson looked back to it to something approaching his best Um, here's an an interesting thing right Watson looking back to his best guess what happened they put him at number 8 he touched the fucking ball (laughs) they gave him the ball in a position where he could have an effect on the game like it's amazing what happens when you give your best players the ability to get their hands on the ball it just it beg it beggars belief, and you know people. I've seen people say that Slade wasn't good. Um, I think that anybody playing thirteen outside of Owen Farrell at the moment, you may as well not bother. The level of service and the standard of passing from both Ben Youngs and Owen Farrell was nothing short of horrific. 
I I don't think in particular that Ford, Farrell and Slade works. No, you've, no. you've got three players that are very similar. You've got playmakers. So, well, you you've got three players that all want, they all want to do the same thing. And if Daly is playing well, you've got a fourth one, really. Um, so I don't I don't think that really works. Who, straight, who straightens that up? Yes, exactly. They they Johnny try and, they try and use sort of Farrell, don't they? But it doesn't really work. Um, and with Billy being a little bit off the pace as well, there's just no carry in the midfield. Um, but so, going, yeah. going back I mean, to, to Russ's point about Watson getting the ball, and, and yeah, I thought Watson played pretty well. And actually, even when he got put in at flanker, he looked a lot keener than a lot of the players have to, to get involved. Um, but you look at what Scotland are doing at the moment, they use Van der Merve quite a lot. Off either off nine or off the inside of ten or straight off a line out to get him involved in the in the game. What when did England ever do anything? They they win a line out. It goes it either goes box kick or it goes nine ten kick. Against when did they ever? England used Ben Youngs in that position. Yeah. Well, that but, was the idea of Cochrane um, Seagull, wasn't it? Yeah. But because he's gone lukewarm now. Um, yeah, I just think. We'll let let the other let the others get involved. Uh, I, I think now, but the only other sort of positive I would say from the game was um, Robson stuck, looked more like an international player than he has done. But you're right, he did. But first first couple of minutes of him being on, we won a line out inside the twenty two, hit the ball up, got a couple of really quick carries with the forwards, moved forwards fifteen meters or so with a decent bit of momentum. Like quick pass of nine to four, quick pass of nine to forwards, and you're thinking, yeah, great. Now put it out nine, ten, twelve. Hit the middle channel, do something out there, and he box kicked. Like I get the whole game's about box kicking, but when you get forward momentum on the ball, why the fuck do you kick it away? Uh, other than because that's what Eddie's told you to do. Um, because he's not very good, Phil. Okay, sorry. Uh, but I feel like I don't know why this conversation for how long have we been doing this pod like six years too long yeah something like that I think this is like the the might even be like the, the fifth year okay but we've been saying Ben Young's is shit for five years well we were talking Dan Robson but yeah well yeah <laughs> okay so I may have been guilty of not listening there <laughs> 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 but yeah, no. If it was Youngs, I would have expected but, it. But, but again, that's the really frustrating bit is you see these guys tearing up the Premiership, doing really exciting things, and they just don't have the freedom to do it on a match. I think we we kind crap. of had a, a a window into why that is with that Mike Brown post on Twitter, right? With the Eddie Jones basically binning off anyone who dares to have an opinion, and um, I think you can see that a bit in in the, some of the selections. I mean, Owen Farrell strikes me as the kind of bloke who, if he worked at the supermarket or in an office, would be Gareth Keenan. You know what I mean? He'd be sidekick Simon at Radio Norfolk Yeah. to Eddie Jones' is Alan Partridge. He'd just, yeah, boss. Yeah, whatever you need me to do, boss. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I saw... Uh, <laughs> I saw Nick Azikwe having a fag behind the bike sheds. That's why he ain't there anymore. You know, I think that's the kind of player that um, 
Eddie Jones wants, and I think that's the kind of system that it is. It's just that there is no flexibility. Just, well, I mean, we scored people... 40 points against Italy, and we laboured to we laboured that game. At no point, and again, at no point was there anything that was sort of exciting. Exciting. Um, I mean, if you're if you're New Zealand or South Africa watching that, you're thinking, "Bring it on! We are gonna we're gonna annihilate this lot. They're they're useless." Or, or Ireland. Yeah. You, so, so just for those that, how many times? Just for those that haven't heard or seen the uh, the Mike Brown quote, what he said was, "I'd had one of my best seasons for Quinns with really good attacking stats, but Eddie had pigeonholed me as a defensive fullback." At the end of this meeting, he asked if I had anything I wanted to say. I challenged his comments that I was just a defensive fullback, saying I thought I'd. I'd been adding value to the attack with examples and stats from my season before saying I would take away all of his points and that I would do everything I could to get into the World Cup squad. He did not like that I contested what he had said and went mad. He shouted, well, you lost the fucking ball in contact on Saturday, didn't you? That's fucking not good enough. You're not fucking doing everything you can. Danny Kerr and Alex Good both challenged him a couple of years ago and neither of them has played for England since. So what he's basically saying is... If you if you argue with Eddie, you're out and you're out for good. And none of that would surprise me. Having been having said that, equally, Mike Brown could start an argument in a paper bag. So, like, he would piss everybody off at some point to the stage where he'd go, "I've had enough of you." But the whole environment just seems a little bit toxic. Also, there's nothing wrong with being a defensive fullback. Ben, wow. ben literally made no career out of it in Nuki Hornet seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it just, I think they're a team in the image of their coach. And, you know, we've said it before. I'll say it again. They're, they're completely unlikable as is Eddie Jones. I think he's a parasite just sucking English rugby dry for everything he can. I just struggle. And I can't remember whether I said this last week or not. I, I struggle with you hear coming out of, players that aren't being picked are Eddie's giving me stuff to work on. He's told me that I may don't fit in the system at the moment. Or How I don't many players have said that and then actually been picked subsequently? Yeah. Well, none. Exactly. But the, but the point I was going to make is if you're telling players, they don't fit in a, in a, in a system or whatever. And, and I use Sam, I'll let's use Sam Simmons as an example, top try score in the premiership. Yes. It's an Exeter pack. You know, yes, they play a certain way or whatever, but it can would add value across board in whatever he, he decided to do, right? Whether that was a utility back row player off the bench or as a number eight. But to be told, oh yeah, well you don't the way you play doesn't fit into a system, and then pick Ben Youngs to do relentless amounts of box kicking nine literally makes no sense whatsoever if you're going to come up with that argument as a coach then you've got to back it up with the rest of your selection well his system seems to be very similar to what saracens played but to do that you need your saracens players and none of them are playing rugby like doug said the only one that's playing at close to his potential is a toje none of the others are actually playing very well so it's ben you said that 
Farrell plays that that role, and who else could play that role for Farrell? I don't even know what that role is that Farrell plays at twelve for England. What's what's he there to do? Is he there to be an outball and hit it up the middle, or is he there to to kick the ball aimlessly away or do crap passes? Like I don't, I just don't entirely understand what that what that role is to know who's that person that that you put into that position. I mean, he's not Farrell's not been the same for what twelve months, something like that. Um, and I don't think I've seen him play a good game in that in that time period. But what George Ford needs, George Ford kind of pulled those strings a lot better. What he needs outside of him is is an option, somebody to hit the ball up, so a big solid ball carrier. And within the squad, you look at who's there. You play Ford, Lawrence, Slade, and I think the balance would be much better. The balance would be much better. The balance, it's not just there. I think we, I've, I've said it many times. I think we're a better, better team when Billy Vanapola is not in the side. I think we become monotonal and predictable. And I also think Billy's probably two thirds of the player he used to be. Um, I think we look better with Mark Wilson there, for example, or maybe even Sam Simmons. It would force us to play a different way. But for whatever reason, and I don't really understand his process, why these players are still getting picked, because you can you can point at Owen Farrell and say that he is definitely not playing as well as he he was. And you could look at George Ford and say there's probably three tens in the premiership playing better than him. Um, but uh, honestly, and I, I think I put this in our WhatsApp the other day, that... If I was Marcus Smith, I'd be finding anything Irish in my ancestry or I'd be moving to Munster to play for Munster for three years and I'd be winning the 100 caps for Ireland because by the state of their tens, it, it'd walk in. Um, it, he's not going to get a sniff of England while Ford and Farrell are there. So that could be another six, seven years that he won't be playing international rugby. Well, you made you made a point, Doug, in a, in a section that got lost um, about there's, there's players who went to the World Cup like Heinz and Spencer, who've just been discarded, never to get seen again. Cochinasinger and uh, McConaughey. What What's have McConaughey those, done? What have those players done that they don't even get their names mentioned in the squad? Um, and Not I think even in the shadow squads. Yeah, and I think actually you made you made a good point about Vanapola. When Wilson was there, we were trying to play a different kind of back row game, a different overall game plan. And I think Sam Simmons got screwed because when he played eight, they tried to play him like a Billy. And he's not he's he's not big enough for that. And I don't think you saw the best of him because he was a round peg trying to get forced into a triangular hole. But then they did that and Mark Will and then they discovered the Wilson Curry Underhill axis when Vunapola was injured and, and Simmons was injured. And all of a sudden it worked because they adapted the way that they played. But they didn't do that when Sam Simmons first came into deal. I don't want to make this specifically about Sam Simmons, but it's, you know, there are lots of other options. I'd love to see Alex Dombrandt get a go. He yeah, absolutely tears up. He absolutely tears up the premiership. But you can just tell Eddie Joe. I've, I think I read somewhere or, you know, he told Dombrandt that he needs to get fitter or needs to lose a bit of weight or whatever. And, I mean, you look at Billy and you think, you know, he doesn't, Billy used to be mammoth. And, and you think of the shifts that Billy used to put in for 70, 80 minutes sometimes. He used to really put a shift in. 
he barely puts in a, a 35, 40 minute shift now, as far as I'm concerned, because he drifts in and out of games. He doesn't have that impact in games anymore. And that's where I think Eddie Jones's obdurate stubbornness to just continually pick the same people over and over again without even even in lip service to, to giving people a chance. It just doesn't make any sense. So back, back row is actually a really interesting thing because you roll the clock back six, eight months and you'd say we've got an embarrassment of riches in the back row. And now with Underhill out um, and I think Willis is going to be out for, for quite some time, um, I don't know what the exact diagnosis was, but a significant amount of damage within his knee was, uh, was what I heard. So we're now in a situation where are we going to go back to trying to shoehorn second rows into into six? Although as that doesn't Doug, fucking help either. No, but as as Doug will quite happily say, there's more than one curry in Manchester, um, and they're both capable of doing an excellent job. I think. Well, Ezekwe, Ezekwe was in and out of that squad, going back to players that have disappeared. He was in and around the squad for for a good two years, and doesn't even get a mention now. And I, I think now he's showing how good a player he is because he's not at Saracens. Think, Lewis Ludlam, Lewis Ludlow. I was going to say Ludlam is the the, chip, the lad at um, Northampton, so, isn't he? He was in the World Cup squad, and you know he seems to have been uh, forgotten as well. I mean, I personally, I think I quite like the idea of Hughes, um, although I'm not sure that that's actually is that possible with the rules of the squads. I don't know if that's... Oh, I don't think they're actually rules of the squads. I think they're... Because if you look at how the other teams are doing it, they're mm. switching in and out. I think it's a, I think it's a PRL thing or, or an but, RFU thing. But I do think that maybe they ought to um, maybe just, just rest Billy now, I think. I, I just think him and Farrell seem to be the two... Rest that, him? T- he hasn't played for four months. Uh, well, all right. Drop him. Drop him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, him and Farrell seem to be particularly out of sorts. And I don't know if it's something to do with this, the Saracen situation, because it seems to coincide roughly with, with that, because that was, what was that the week before the World Cup that that all started, the World Cup final? Um, but I, I, I mean, Earl's in the squad and Earl can play eight. I, I don't know if it's worth just playing Earl with Curry and Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Play Wilson yeah. at eight if you prefer. I mean, yeah, either way. Um, I don't really know. I do wonder it whether it doesn't, to, to really the matter, answer, does it? it? It's only scrumming down. It doesn't really matter. The answer, well, yeah, I'll let that go. Um, oh, no, <laughs> but, no, no, I think I think both players have played enough at six yeah, and yeah. enough at eight for it not to matter. I'm not yeah, saying put I'll Johnny May there because it doesn't matter. Um, Particularly, I, I would say Wilson seems more of a archetypal six. Whereas so Earl seems to have a bit more of the number eight about him. This um, situation, you're, you're right, Ben. This, but this situation with the Saracens players has all come about through Eddie's willingness to bend the rules to whatever suits him. What should have happened? What should have happened is all those Saracens players should now be playing within the Premiership to get game time, and they should have six, seven, eight games under their belts, rather than half a game against Ealing. Or no games against stealing. It's it's a it's a disaster of their own making. And then you can actually judge them on on form in different systems. Not that he would, 
But that's what should have happened. They should have said, you've got to go and find yourself a premiership club who's willing to pay what you want them to pay. Go and play rugby for them. And if you're the best person in your position for this system, I'll pick you. But, yeah, guy's a prick. He seems to only be picking from a handful of sides. I mean, there, there are players throughout the premiership who aren't going to look in because they don't play for Sarries, Bath, Harlequins. You know, um, I just I don't know what goes through his head. I really don't. There, there are players all over the league that deserve deserve to have been given a chance that just aren't getting it. And um, I can't care. You know, what are we going to do this after the next round of Six Nations matches? I, yeah. I just don't. I don't see the necessity in doing it. I think we should resolve as a podcast now that we'll mention England in dispatches. Because we know what we're going to get. We know what we're going to get for the remainder of time of Jones being in. We'll we'll have a couple of decent wins against the Southern Hemisphere sides. We'll maybe win a Six Nations, although I don't see it for the foreseeable. Um, there'll be head-scratching decisions. There'll be quite a lot of hubris on the part of Jones. And um, the wheels will turn and we'll, we'll be equally pissed off until they get a coaching that is willing to understand that England have the best set of players they've ever had and that they need to play a style of rugby that reflects that we are going to be in this situation and do we really need to keep going over it? Before we move off England, though, can we just talk about Johnny May's try just very, very quickly? So that's what got me into an argument with Dickhead from well, Blood and Mud, though. To, to be so, fair, I think I think it is it was fair to ask a question about it because when when I saw it, I thought, "Oh, that looks a bit sketchy." Me too. Um, but if I'm honest, have, it, have him watch because he it. he wasn't diving, was he? He was jumping to the line. So. Two, two viewpoints on this. One from Nigel Owens, who says that should be a penalty because you're jumping to avoid a tackle, which is dangerous play. And one from Jonathan Kaplan, who has said numerous times, there's nothing in the laws that says that you can't jump. It's If the act of jumping specifically is dangerous, then you can be penalised. But jumping out of a tackle is not illegal. Well, yeah, so you've, it, got it's... Two, you've got two international referees taking very different views on exactly the same situation, which to me says that nothing we, we have an opinion on really matters. It's because a classic it could go either way. union grey area, isn't it? It's, I mean, it, I yeah, always used to call nuance. I don't know if it's the correct phrase, but it, I, I, we always used to call it jumping into a tackle was illegal, whereas that yeah. was jumping away from a tackle. So, but but I, I, I do think, you know, at first or second viewing, you, you've looked at it and thought, hmm, could go either way. This didn't you? Yeah. So, I mean, but if there's uh, nothing in the laws, if there's Brian nothing Moore, in the laws, I think was it, said it, he has dived because he's ended up on his face. Yeah. So, but if there's nothing in the laws about it, it comes down to was it da- was his actions dangerous? Was did him jumping put the Italian player at risk of of getting injured? Not really. Well, the other thing that I saw different. from um, um, Bloody Dicks was. Um, that if you're if you can't get to make the tackle, so you have to hit someone in the air, then you should just realise that you shouldn't make the tackle because it's dangerous, which is just nonsensical. So you 
you know, every time you go into a tackle, you jump so that they don't hit you because it's yeah. dangerous. You should have just been in a better position to make the tackle. It's just, that, just the most nonsensical argument ever. It look, it's it's really it was an incredible piece of skill. And to be honest, we're lamenting England for not being exciting. And Johnny May did something exciting. Yeah. It wasn't so, in the rules, but in much, much in the same way that with, with cricket, you want to see exciting bits of play. And when they're ruled out because of a DRS decision or a review, you, you might get the ump of it and say, oh, we should just go with the unfilled umpires. The referee let the try stand. Let's actually celebrate the fact that it was a, an amazing piece of skill and hope that if one day Johnny May does that again, whoever's marking him on the wing fucking puts him into row five. Because yeah. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Johnny May do that and CJ stand and catch him midair and put him into row five. Because I don't think he'll be in a hurry to do it again if he does. So, so, so we're blood and mud suggesting that the guy shouldn't have tried to tackle. See if I can find it because it, it it was um, I mean it was bollocks basically. I mean I had to unblock I, him to be able to watch it. To, just to on a, going back to to England in general. I mean, I, I, I'm not quite as pessimistic as Doug and Russ. And uh, I, I, I do think maybe Eddie's time is, is starting to come to an end. But I also think as a sort of core of players, we're not in quite as bad a position as Scott, the Scotland game may, might have suggested. So um, I do, I just wonder, or not wonder, but I do, I do think that we're still going to be competitive in the next three games and um with a few changes i do think england could could be a good side again yeah and i don't think england are there are people joking about saturday's game being the wooden spoon game and i and i don't see that as being the case i think they'll struggle against france i think they'll be in the game against uh, ireland and wales because i don't think either of those sides are playing particularly well um but I suppose the disappointing thing is since that New Zealand game, which was one of the best games I've seen England play, which was, what, a year and a half ago. It's not that there's been no progress. There's been regression. Yeah, They haven't built on things. They've gone backwards with pretty much every aspect of the game. And that's the frustrating thing as an England fan is you know the players are there that are capable of playing some amazing rugby. I don't even think they need coaching. They just need to be given a ball and say, right, back, forward, the go out and smash, backs, play what's in front of you. That's all they need. They're better than the other players. Yeah, they, they, they defensively, ought to be. defensively, they need a system. But offensively... I, in the words of JB, the... line speed. There you go. I've coached a defence. Just be really quick off the line, lads. Yeah, that, that doesn't really work for a back row. <laughs> Otherwise, they all end up in the same place, and there's a massive gap elsewhere. But you, Don't you need a... like there's some kind of magic trick to being a back rower. <laughs> no, no, just run around smacking not... people. It's not. It's not a magic trick. It's about not having three of you running down smacking the same person <laughs> and, <laughs> and leaving massive holes elsewhere. It, it needs a little bit of defensive organisation. But Christ, George Ford, being the player that we all know he has the potential to be. The, the instructions to George Ford should be, go do whatever you can do to get us some points. Don't care what it is. Just do it. 
communicate with the guys around you. Let George Ford run the training sessions for the backs. You come up with the moves, make sure everybody knows what it is. Go play some rugby. Uh, and one thing I would say is, is having watched that Scotland-Wales game, Scotland kicked the ball a hell of a lot, but it's, it's got a point. It's not just, it, we've, we've, we've gone through two phases, let's get rid of it. Well, I saw, I saw yeah. some interesting statistics um, on that as it goes. Not really a stats person, but um, Russ Petty on Twitter put out uh, like a stats table. And uh, England have carried the ball 780 metres. Guess how many metres Wales have carried the ball in two games? 340. Well, 420, not far off. But they're, they're those two are the lowest. England. Had, I, I would argue that that's directly linked to the amount of ball they've had. Because even in that Scotland match, they only had uh, 30% possession, I think. And England, in, in the two games that England have played, they've kicked the ball from hand 56 times. France have kicked it 66 times. And Scotland have kicked it 69 six times. So England actually haven't kicked the ball anywhere near the most but we i think we have to bear in mind that we've played italy in that second game yeah and i think the the problem with england isn't that they're kicking the ball it's that they're kicking the ball badly. to follow a plan badly and to follow a plan and not reading what's in front of them if you look at the times when scotland kicked the ball and finn finn russell will do probably five or six attempts at cross field kicks be they on the ground or or looking for the space in behind or or in the air in a game. And two of them will hit one of the opposition's face or legs or something. But he's doing it to try and get a specific advantage. It's not a boot up up to try and force the opposition to make a mistake. And that's the frustrating bit. They are there's no tactics to our kicking. And then when we kick, we kick badly. Yeah. And, and France yesterday, like Almost every kick they hit was just a mon- monster. You yeah, know, they, they kicked so well. It's all, it down it was the all pitch. competitive. Yeah, in, unless it was territory, or you know, when you end up in a big game of kick tennis mm. for that territorial battle, every other kick was contestable. All the box kicks were contestable. All the bombs were contestable. It was very rare that they, you know, even if. Even if they met, it, the mistake was made where it was just a bit too long and went drifted into the twenty-two for a mark. It was literally just in yeah. the twenty. It was it was margins, which you know that's always going to happen. Whereas, I'll come, but I'll come back to the example I made about Dan Robson. If that was any other type team in the Six Nations had got a line out and gone through three or four quick phases with the forwards and gone twenty yards, none of them would be thinking about box kicking. But he's box kicked it because that's what the formula says. They box kick because they're in a situation that, that where that's a suitable tactic, whereas England box kick because they've played three phases. Yeah. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Let, let's, I mean, let's get off of England because there's so many more things that I can to bring uh, joy, <laughs> bring joy to my life. Um, and it upset me much even to the point of where England scored that try through Watson and they were like, oh, well, it shouldn't have stood because Johnny May knocked it on from the... Uh, uh, no, before Johnny Hill's try. 
they knocked it on and then Johnny Hill had the double movement and stuff and you know the irony of all of the every single little bit of refereeing that went in England's favour every single one of the Celtic nations was all over it like a fucking rash and then um, I can't remember yeah so it was a double movement for Hill's try and it was the the knock on from May from the chase that then resulted in going through a couple of phases for Watson to go in just yeah they can all they can all all fuck off. Um, we had a question come in from from Ben Bacon. We do have questions occasionally, and it did ask. Uh, he asked, with the exclusion of Italy, the five remaining Six Nations team are they the most balanced uh, and evenly balanced of any sporting competition? Do you think at the moment? I'd say three are. I'd say England, Wales, and Ireland are. I think France are France are a different gravy, and I think the reason I say I would put Scotland diff, in a separate category is I think they're playing a very different style of rugby. They're almost playing a different game to what the other three are. I think England, I think Wales, England, and Ireland are all at a bit of a loss to work out how to play properly. Not clicking particularly well. Personnel not necessarily firing. And are all pretty much on a par with how they're playing. Fair enough. Either Doug, Ben, you got a, a view on that? Well, I, I think it's always a pretty even tournament. I mean, it it you only play five games, so you'd think a Grand Slam would be fairly commonplace, but it isn't because it's pretty level playing field, really, in the tournament. And, you know, they're all big rivalries, so there's no dead rubbers really um, you know, we, we're saying about how good France are and they are they're an excellent team and and Ireland were pretty depleted yesterday but despite France being the better team they only won by two points yeah I suppose the point is other than Italy any team could win any game yeah. and it wouldn't be that much of a surprise so in that regard he's probably right Doug any view on that uh, I think England, Wales and Ireland are slipping behind. I think Scotland aren't far off. I think they were robbed on Saturday and France are way ahead. Yeah. Even though they they struggled to put Ireland away, but they are miles in front for me. Let, let's talk about that Scotland-Wales game briefly then. Um, Wales are two from two thanks to two red cards. I mean... Uh, watching both those games Wales look absolutely hopeless as far as I'm concerned like England are bad and Wales are right there with them and it's a miracle that they've won both those games Scotland literally butchered the shit out of an ability to win that game yeah it took a bit of magic from Louis Rees-Summit to to win it good try well taken Um, I know Ben you had a an opinion on him as part of a back three. Um, but yeah, they, they've they got a man advantage for a considerable proportion of a game for the second week in a row and struggle to really do anything with it. Um, it yeah, that's I think that's all there is really to say about I'd, it. I'd say it's a little bit unfair on them. They were certainly... I don't know if they were ahead at the point of the red card, but they'd certainly scored their second try. Um and, you know, they've looked like 
they could easily lose both though both games they've been in and they haven't um I mean that was a brilliant try by Reece Samit and 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 there was a kick just after that was almost as good with the outside of his foot uh, I think he's a great player but we we were just talking about um half penny didn't look himself in defense and I just I just do think that maybe he is covering Reece Samit in defense a little bit um but he's a youngster so you know it's probably to be expected um Falatao's playing well again um you know, and is he? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was pretty anonymous. Just in time for another Lions year. Well, I, I think he's done. I think with Falatao, I think what's maybe happened there is, is kind of similar what happened with Kieran Reed as he got a bit older. He sort of became a little less flashy, but just did sort of simple things very well. Um, I've just seen a stat that he that Falatao, um, he had the most carries. And the most tackles uh, for Wales, um, and the most meters. So, you so know, that's... coming back to your point, after the red card, Scotland got seven points. Wales got ten in twenty-five minutes of play. So well, you yeah. wanted to talk. You wanted to talk about the red card, didn't you? Phil? Well, I I did, um, and. Just because there is, there's lots of people on social media, um, and, and this is mainly on Facebook, and this is mainly from people that I know and have played with and most of us have played with at some point, coming out and saying, coming out with the whole the game's gone soft thing, how's that a red card? Um, and oh, look at the mitigation, the, because the, other, the Wales players lifted him, that's why it's hit him on the on the chin what so if he wouldn't have pulled him back it would have hit him on the top of the head instead like what what to me it's a symptom of the fact that breakdowns are being really badly refereed at the moment um because either that wales players got in and got his hands on the ball uh in which case scotland have fucked up and hitting somebody on the head because you fucked up is not the right answer or the ball was lost and his hand should be nowhere near the ball, in which case there's absolutely no reason to, to run in and dive in. Or the ball's lost and he's putting his hands near the ball, in which case the ref should have blown for a penalty well before. They're, just, they're turning into... We went through a phase a few years ago where, um, where rucks turned into a really clean thing where a tackle get, gets made, people go over the ball... There's, a, there's an attempt at a clear out or there's not an attempt at the clear out. Ball gets shifted, move on. And we've now gone back almost to to like it was in the 80s and 90s just without actual rucking with your, your feet and the odd fist going in where the majority of rucks consist of seven or eight people lying on the ground. And, and it's just really untidy and spoils the game. If you look at what France do and do a really good job of and um, the Olivon try was a really good example of it, is the ball carrier goes in and he has two men supporting him. Ball carrier gets tackled. Those two people are straight over the top. And, okay, sometimes they go off their feet. They might stay on their feet. But that ball is secured and they can then ship it out. And 
there's people saying that, oh, what else is he supposed to do other than go and smack the guy on the head because his hands are near the ball? Well, to me, that's the same as saying you lose a line because your throw's poor. That gives you an excuse to go and close line the opposition centre to try and get the ball back because what else are you supposed to do? It's utter bollocks. If you've lost the ball and there's somebody's head in the way, sticking your shoulder into their head is not justifiable. It's, it's not that the game's gone soft in any way, shape or form. It's just... There are video cameras everywhere, so running from 10 yards and clocking a guy in the middle of his chin because isn't, Because isn't there are video cameras everywhere, though, Phil, and I, I, I agree with you, but because there are video cameras everywhere, the guy that doesn't run in and try and clear somebody out with their hands on the ball is going to get pulled up in coaching sessions. That's why they do it. Yeah. Yeah, See, but the guy's, the, hands, one, the guy's I think, hands weren't anywhere near the ball. I think with that particular incident, when you compare it to the one the week before, it doesn't look anything like as bad because basically it wasn't. <laughs> you know, it was at least in the vicinity of the ball, whereas the the, the yeah. one the week before was the, the guy wasn't even looking at the ball. Yeah. Um. So, I I I would say for me a red card is harsh in that instance, but. I mean, uh, to me, I, th- I think, and I, I, I hate to do it because I've seen someone else make the same opinion and his name is Stuart Barnes. But I think they might have to get just get rid of the jackal in the end because, because and, the, the, and the, the this is my point. that these this guys what get fucks into, me off. The head's the only thing you can hit or you do but, the but, crocodile but, roll, which no, ends up breaking but, someone's leg. No, you don't. You have a support player there. If your support player is there quick enough, nobody can jackal the ball. If your support player isn't there and you fucked up and that player's got his hands on the ball, you've already fucked up. You've already lost the ball. So hitting them on the head doesn't make it any better. And, that, and that's my point is this is all happening. Next time, it? Well, not really, because you're on the sidelines watching from there for the rest of the game. Um, I, just, I just think they've, they've, they've made it very advantageous to the defending team they're they're trying to speed these rucks up so they're letting the the opposition try and jackal onto it and it's breaking the game up anyway because you're ending up with so many penalties for holding on or for bad clear outs that i i I think the, the games are getting less and less watchable because of it it's the opposite opposite effect of what they're trying to do with these law changes that you that are allowing the um, the jackler to get in on the ball so quickly, but but the only reason that jackler is allowed to get in the ball is because there's no support player there. I'm I'm trying to find the stats just to back it up, um, but I don't think that France would give away anywhere near as many breakdown penalties or breakdown turnovers as the rest of the teams because they've worked out that when a ball carrier goes in, you have a support player a metre behind him. And as soon as that tackle's made, you secure the ball and, and it's done. And you get quick ball as a result of it. So to me, that's, that's the simple answer. And if you take away the jackal, you're basically spoiling any bit of my fun of playing rugby. I may as well go and play football, go and play the, touch. Uh, what I would say, there are, there's no real way around it. If you're a smart jackal, you jackal with your head up so you get hit in the face every time. Um, and the opposition ends up with five men on the pitch. But I don't, I don't see what you can do about it. I think 
in, in all sports now now that any twat with a microphone that barely works can make a podcast there, there's so many <laughs> opinions like this that everything everything gets looked at and re-looked at and re-looked at so those decisions like things like what happened to jack willis at breakdowns get analyzed so much that we then only focus on the outcome of one ruck yeah and there might have been 200 rucks in that game we had one injury if you extrapolate that over the six nations you're probably looking at four or five thousand rucks and one serious injury so do we change the entire game because one bloke had an unlucky injury? Do we change the entire game because there just so happened to be two badly mistimed clear outs that hit people on the head? I think... The, but, that's, but they the, weren't the whole, badly the whole mistimed point clear outs. They weren't, badly mistimed, you, they weren't badly mistimed clear outs. You clear out... The, the laws are pretty clear on this. You clear out by binding onto a player and driving past them, which means that you have to have your hand close enough to bind onto the player. And this is what you said, Ben, oh, the only option is to, to, to hit them on the head because they're in the jackal position. And where these two incidents are both very different is you've got a player that's led with a shoulder or led with an elbow. There's no, absolutely no attempt to get your arm involved, which goes against everything that kids are taught, which is you, you attack the, the ruck and you get your hands, under, your hands and your shoulders in underneath the other player and then you drive them back off the ball. You've got players leading with shoulders into rucks and malls. That's the reason they're getting... So two reasons they're getting sent off. One, because the support's not there quick enough, so it's a fucking mess. And second of all, you've got people running in and charging with their shoulders and, and, and no arms. You get people pinged all the time for no arms tackles. But when you've got people hitting rucks against fixed players you're going to fuck them up because you're going to get it all badly wrong and too many times you're going to end up hitting a head. The whole Jack I, Willis thing, the Jack Willis thing was an accident. Ben Ryan can fuck off as far as I'm concerned and go and watch sevens. It was an accident. The, it, it's a decent clear out that's well within the laws of the game to, get, to go and do a crocodile roll. It was just really unfortunate that his foot was fixed. He was, just in, he was in a very strong bait, base position with his legs wide apart, which made it more difficult for him, for Negri or whoever, to, to roll him away. Now, then right, then as Negri fell, he, in the act of trying to roll away, he then fell on him, which then caused the, the issue with his knee. Right? It was an accident. The outcome, the serious injury, was an accident. And the amount of fucking, don't get me started, the dickheads on Twitter that couldn't understand that. Oh, it needs to be outlawed. Oh, it needs to be this. Oh, it needs to be that. No, it was a fucking accident, mate. It was an accident. The, oh, the you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck if off. If they get, if they you, get what they want and, and outlaw the crocodile the role, point, there'll be what's something the... that comes along to take its place and then they want that outlawed. And you'll end yeah. up with a game that's unwatchable because it'll be 85 phases and then someone scores. And then they... 85 phases and somebody else scores. And like, But it's... Close, but Jack, it's Jack close Willis is unwatchable now, mate. It's, it's close to unwatchable now. I said last week. I've said it several was... times. There, are, you could blow a penalty for literally every single contact area. You blow for a penalty for, and whether they do, the referees do or don't, is absolutely potluck. It's just I think I think they're trying they're trying to get rid of the they're trying to get rid of the charging into rucks by calling all of these all of these off feet penalties, but they're not it's not consistent because if it was consistent it'd be every ruck. 
So, but maybe that's what it needs to be for a seal, couple of months. Off. So the, the other thing with the difference between Jack Willis's injury and um, what Ferguson and Omani have done is Jack Willis's injury is to his leg. Yes, that's going to cause him quite a lot of pain for quite a lot of time and probably some significant arthritis as he gets older. Um, that's very different from smacking somebody in the head with 16, 17 stone going through his shoulder and into the front of somebody's face. As far as I'm concerned, like the red card was, was perfectly justified and not a sign of the games going soft. You ban a crocodile roll and the whole thing's fucked up. Oh, you it know was, what? It was just fucking let them get on with it. Just let well, them get on with they'll it. Ban, they'll All ban them. tackling. They want to All ban tackling in, in Sign a waiver rugby. before you sign a pro contract, before you go on the pitch, before you do anything, sign a waiver. I'm happy with whatever comes in life because I quite like playing rugby and whatever happens, happens. Right? I'm fucking sick of all of it. Let's just let's just have a game of rugby without there being some kind of contentious fucking decision. Or just, it's all about the fucking officials. Every single game is about a poor bit of officiating or somebody getting sent off or this or that. Let's just fucking get on with it. For the love of God, please, let's just get on with it. So, um, just I, I've tallied it up 95% of rucks are won by the team that takes the ball in. So, uh, on last weekend's rugby matches, so there aren't a huge, inordinate amount of turnovers because players have worked out that you get there close and you, and you secure the ball. Um, but no, as far as I'm concerned, Ferguson deserves what what he gets, which will probably be a two or three match ban. He'll get the same as Peter Nomani. Red red card. You could just basically copy and paste that fucking and shit. And go from go three week ban. But there there are so many things that he could have done to avoid getting a red card. The guy's face was four foot off the ground. You go three and a half feet off the ground. You, you use your arms so you're not leading with your elbow. It was elbow. a good face to smash. I actually uh, just probably. just to round this off because I, I think we should. Um, I actually think teams lose out in contact areas by flying in like that because I've seen a number of times over the last couple of weeks, teams that actually get to a ruck with three or four players bind and push actually rucking teams off the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when they just fly in like that, everyone just ends up on the floor and the ball comes to the back of the ruck anyway. I remember as, as a kid, when you're taught how to ruck, it was by grab your nearest bloke, bind, Drag him with drive you, yeah. over the ball. Don't worry about whatever's there. Drive over the ball, lift and drive. Not yeah. charging with your shoulder, not fucking flying from anywhere. Lift and leg drive and away you go. Where When, when did players stop doing that? Yeah. Anyway. Well, look, the Amani one, one was worse in my opinion. Yeah, of course it was. I think the... The Scotland one was a mistimed. I think he did everything he could to get low, but it was still a, uh, it was still he wasn't in control, which is the difference. Had he have got in control, got underneath the guy and dro- driven him backwards, they probably would have won the ball. So, yeah, and the game. Um, right, let's move on. Anyway, um, did anybody want to chat too much about the Wales France game, or should we? We've been going for ages already. The, the Ireland France game. <laughs> Is that why I say I didn't? Yeah, whatever. The Ireland France game. Um, uh, Ireland are a bit of bit of a mess because um, Johnny Sexton's washed up. Billy Burns is no more in international ten than I am. 
and I don't rate that other burn fella either. He looks like he's confused all the time. <laughs> a real confused face. Just, just like, I, yeah, complete confusion. And I, I think they're, and they, they, they've sort of got. I don't know if it's a Farrell thing because that that through line from England's defence into Ireland's now coaching tree. I, I don't know if there's a problem with just the way that having a defensive coach at the top of the game, at the top of the pyramid of the coaches, sort of just washes away all of the attacking elements because Ireland, again, choose to punt. Like, can somebody, if somebody can explain to me what, what this thing about launching bombs from your own 10-meter line when you've got a five-man overlap or a, a four-on-three or... I don't. I don't get the midfield bomb. It it, it it strikes me as we don't want to make a decision. We just want to win penalties on turnovers. The, the midfield we'll bomb is a, is a one stage on from a box kick. That's all it is. It's a we don't really know what to do, so we're going to give them the ball in a place where we can compete and maybe get lucky with a break. It's it, 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 it's, it's old um, school. It, it's first. It's first choice for three of the teams that are playing at the moment. It's the first choice option. It's the same as in American football. If you run every time you have a first down, like it's, we don't really know what to do. So we'll just pound it up the middle. It it, it seems. Oh, I'd prefer it if they just pounded it up the middle. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just clueless um, negative rugby again. I I don't don't get it. We don't need to go, go over that again, do we? No, no. Think, there are two think... teams that want to play, and one that's shit and getting better, and they're trying to. Italy were trying to play that way, and three teams that don't really want to play rugby. But it seems a you're, slightly you're... counterproductive tactic against France. Anyway, I know um, Doolan's a fullback, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he dropped the first one, but he didn't drop another one after that. Um, yeah, and the um. The the uh, the X sevens winger on on one wing, you know, he was looking pretty yeah. ball as well. Um, so I thought that was uh, a pretty counterproductive tactic, really. Um, you would say the one thing you could say for Ireland is the two centres are playing very well. Yeah, um, and actually, I'm re- I think you mentioned it last week. Fiku is playing and out of his skin for France. Fiku, um, you 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 guys have played more rugby than me. Facts, right? So it would seem, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but if you were a Six Nations team now, especially England, the the, the way that teams are playing with this sort of ultra-structured kick the ball away, surely the answer to that is just to get 10 Finn Russells in your squad. So get all the broken field runners you can, let them kick the ball to you and just create havoc. And well, England could do was... it. They could have just the biggest, gnarliest pack and then just have really chaotic... You know, Mark, oh, Marcus Smith against this kind of kicking game would just tear it to bits. I think that was kind of the theory originally with Daly moving to fullback was to give him some broken play to run Well, into, now he but... just runs at people. Yeah. He's a useless he, yeah. he, he, either, kick, he either just kicks it straight away or... Or run straight at people, but yeah, if you had if you had three 
Anthony Watson's playing as your as your back three, well four of them, three well three Anthony Watsons and Marcus Smith, and then a couple of units at twelve and thirteen, they'd absolutely love that. Yeah, I think I, it's I, what Scotland I, have cottoned on to with Van der Merwe. They they dropped Van der Merwe, Hogg and Russell, and yeah. they just create yeah. so much. Right, and Dar- Darcy Dar- Graham, Dar- as Dar- Dar- Graham as well. Yeah. Lovely balanced runner. And I, then I, they've got and then they've got Chris Harris in the middle who does some of the heavy lifting. I, I think part of what's I'm going to show my bias now. I think part of what is allowing Scotland to do that is that Hogg's playing so well though he's he's been very solid which you sometimes can't always say of him and also he's he's kicked outstandingly well as well so it's not one-dimensional um he he's if you've got you're actually with England you've got the two perfect wingers for broken field play you've got Watson and May well you can't really beat that but what you've got is 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 Daly's not. We've said he's not playing very well. But he's also probably not spreading confidence from fullback. Um. So, so it's probably like in, in, inhibiting sort of the whole run back as well. Um, yeah, May May doesn't look like his confidence is particularly high either. Because if touching you, the ball, mate. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I, I think, know this is I know this is mental, but if you move Watson to fullback. And brought back Chris Ashton and just said, run everything. The lines that with with this structured kicking game, Ashton had pick pick these defences to bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coop coming I, back. It's not it's not he ain't coming, back, coming back, but he's the kind of player that would do really well oh, but, if you had a oh, Ollie Thorley. I, could that Ollie Thorley could do I, I was gonna say Ollie Thorley. If you played you Watson, go, three votes for Thorley. Watson, <laughs> Thorley, and May, I yeah. would I would say that. Yeah. We keep going back. We keep going back to that England, you know, that England team. I can't. I can't keep going back. Please. <laughs> I can't let's, keep let's, going back. Let's, we let's, wrap it up? let's move on. Let, let, I was going to say let's talk about the Premiership and ring fencing, but we'll talk about that maybe next week because there's no Six Nations this week, is there? So, should, we'll, we, do, we'll, should we do another pod later in the week? <laughs> just a quick yeah. half hour one. Just a quick we half do like hour a live pod or something. Well, let's let's chat about that later, shall we? Um, and, <laughs> and, we'll think, and we'll think, and we'll think, and we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll send that out the flag pod, mate. So you salute it, and we'll we'll work up from there. Um, we what, could do a well, short pod, couldn't we'll, we? Um, we'll do like a high concept one of just trying to cheer Russ up. We could ask all our <laughs> listeners to just record something for 10 minutes and Russ could rate it on how much it cheers him up. <laughs> just, you know, send us lovely tweets and voice notes. And uh, it'd be yeah. like a reverse of yeah. gossip mongers. So, I'm just so fucking angry. You literally for no real reason. Um, but one thing that has mo- moderately moderately cheer me up and i will engage in a little bit of any other business this week um this the my missus said to me earlier um i keep getting i keep getting on my instagram and and facebook feed i keep getting quotes from cricket and from you know from all these different cricket people i was like but it turns out that her phone is obviously listening you know like you get the targeted ads and shit like that but because I'm watching the cricket on terrestrial television and I've watched, I've been watching it in bed and like, cause of early mornings, um, it, it's obviously something's picked up and she's getting the targeted advertising. 
<laughs> which is fucking delightful. She's advertising, and the and the and the and the target is a massive picture of the West Indies spinner Raheem Cornwall being jumped on by the other two geezers from the West yeah, Indies. After that, that's a fantastic picture, isn't it? And uh, and yeah, but like. Suggest they're coming up on her Facebook and Instagram suggestions. Just maybe that—that's one thing that you know moderately cheered me up this week. Anything for for you guys, Doug? Do you want to do you want to say anything about any other business? Uh, some telly programs for you, if you want. There's a, a comedy program called uh, Dave on BBC iPlayer, which is well worth a watch. Zero 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 on Sky. Um, Atlantic is very good. Is that the dubbed one zero zero zero? Well, it's yeah, it's based in Italy, Mexico, and uh, the United States. So yeah, it, it's dubbed, but yeah, you'll you'll get there, Russ. <laughs> I tried that. I tried um, Money Heist the first twenty minutes of that zero zero zero, and as soon as the lip syncs out, I'm fucking done. Can't can't do it. What do you mean? Well, I just can't get me head right. I just it's just not enjoyable because all I'm focusing on is the movement of the lips being out of sync of the the actual. Watch audio. it with the subtitles then. Don't want to, mate. I don't watch telly to read. <laughs> if I wanted to watch, if I wanted to read, I'd read a book, and you I don't want to read. You are literally. I mean, no. Go on, say it. Come on. Uh, I can't, mate. I can't. Might push you over the edge. Thanks. No worries, no worries. Um, ben, Ben, you've you've ruined my flow now. I can't remember what else Good. I was going to recommend. Which is why I'm moving on. Other shows. Which is why I'm moving on to Ben. Oh, um, not many people have um, Apple TV, but if you do, if you bought a new Apple product in the last uh, year and a half, you get a free subscription to Apple TV, and there is a program on there called Ted Lasso, which is very, very. It's, it's just you you'd really appreciate it at the moment russ it, it's just a very uplifting kind of show um, how is it it's um how is it uplifting about an american football coach college american football coach who gets hired by a premier league football team um because the owner wants to run the team into the ground and obviously the football bits are really cliched and but but they are the overall sort of mood of the show is really uplifting and, and me and uh Mrs. Lensman have really enjoyed it. It's been very good. And at, at the moment, when you just need something, everything's a little bit down, and you know, you you could just do something a bit joyful in your life. Um, watch Ted Lasso; it's it's brilliant. Thanks, Ben. Um, just uh, actually, well, just finished Shit's Creek, which I really enjoyed. Um, but my my main any other business, I'm. I'm going to give my, give my missus some credit. I um, Yesterday... She deserves it. Well, she does, yeah. Yesterday, I gave her a pack of 18 Reese's Nutrageous bars. Um, and she's finished them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which is a huge effort. I mean, it, it throws some context into her giving up sugar for three months. <laughs> she did last year. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm scared to think just how many calories that is. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a lot. Of thousands. 
We're talking like a man v food episode. Yeah, this is this is a serious uh, like <laughs> it's, a serious, it's a serious problem for her. She's currently in a diabetic coma. Yeah, yeah, she hasn't moved for about two hours now. But uh, yeah, the the last nine bars went in uh, went into the living room at the start of this podcast, and uh, the empty box has just come back out. So uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so if 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 Reese's are listening, um, feel free. They're they're very good. Feel free to send us heard, some. I've heard they're a fan. Give it up. Yeah, ben. I think they are. Give it up, Ben. So these like posh Snickers? Basically, yes. Yeah. Right. It's posh a Nick. bit they're a bit like a picnic bar. A picnic bar with um with peanut butter in it, yeah. Nice. Nice. Phil. Anything cool. from you? Um I'm not usually one to to moan about use of television to make judgments on sports things um because i think generally it's a good thing because more decisions get made right but the tmo at the moment has massive not the tmo the var at the moment has massively got it in for southampton in the last four games we've had seven decisions go against us that i just cannot get my head around how they've done it um in the yesterday was the thing that really boiled my piss they called up on VAR Ryan Bertrand for a penalty when the ball got hit and he turned around and he had literally had his back to the ball and it flicked his fingers on his hand behind his shoulder, came past his shoulder and flicked the fingers on his hand and they gave a penalty for handball. And then two minutes later, Southampton Cross comes into the area and you've got Dendonka leaning over with his arm out to the side and hits him near the elbow and doesn't give a penalty for it. And it's just pissing me off because we're struggling enough for form as it is. And the last thing you need is, is the VAR on your back as well. And I don't, I don't like getting annoyed. I don't, I don't actually mind if, if we lose, but we play reasonably well. But I don't like getting annoyed because somebody who's paid to, to look at a video in slow motion and make decisions fucks it up so royally. I just, yeah, I can't get my head around how useless the whole system is. It's not like the, there isn't a whole multitude of other examples in other sports of how to do it better. Mind you, DRS in cricket at the moment isn't proving itself to let's be not, overly useful. Let's not either. even get into that. The, the <laughs> standard of umpiring and replays in uh, by home broadcasters in home test matches. Oh, it's, a, it's a fucking um, joke. But I mean, I'm Christ, sure. how are we? How are we in a position where? You can you can do the kinds of shit that you can do on the internet and with technology and all all kinds of amazing things, but we can't just make a purely black and white judgment in the right way. It's just shit. They they should just take people out of all decisions. Just let the computers decide. But um, yeah, and and very very quickly, just as a as a bit of a, I heard a fact the other day and it, and it. It didn't blow my mind, but it made me kind of think a little bit. The first web page is is 31 years old. So in 31 years, we've gone from the internet not really existing and having the first web page to the point where we can do, I can tell you how many turnovers there were in a game yesterday at the click of a button, or you can do all the kinds of shit that you can do on the internet. And that's happened from it not even existing. Um, and I just actually think that that is pretty bloody impressive, but also pretty scary what's going to be achieved in the next 30 years. Um, 
and we're all going to turn into our parents oh. where we just can't keep up with technology. This is Michael. He's in charge of our internet computer. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows, mate? I'll be dead by then, so I'm not bothered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, in 30 years' time? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Congratulations! I'm living in. I'm living. Fuck, guys! I'm going to get on the, on the. I'm going to get on the phone to Mrs. Milsom and just make sure that she doesn't leave Russ unattended for more than yeah, about could, five minutes. Could I you wish hide all the kitchen knives? Put all the put all the belts away. Hide the I telephone need to, cord. I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this house. You're not even in the house, Russ. Well, I need to get out from the confines of my own property. There you go. Right. Anyway, that that's the end. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, <laughs> and and if you are still listening, um, well done. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and uh, why not hashtag uh, house prison? Re- hashtag Reese is not rageous. Reese is not rage. Reese is not rageous. Hashtag uh, house prison. Hashtag um, send help for Ross. Send help, yeah. Um, right, we'll see you next week. Maybe, maybe not. All the best. Go well. Podcast Network.